That is a series victory over the division leaders. It's the AL Central in 2023, division leaders, but it's a series victory over the division leaders. Let's talk about it all today on Locked on Tigers. You are Locked on Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked on Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Friday, August 11th. Happy Friday, everybody. 2023. Thank you so much for making Locked on Tigers your first listen. Every single day, we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every day. Be sure to check out the Tigers home radio broadcast on the SiriusXM app. Just search Detroit Tigers, and next thing you know, you'll be listening to the Tigers home radio broadcast anytime, anyplace. Very awesome feature. Be sure to check it out today. The Tigers. Take a series from Minnesota, baby. Uh, look, I don't care. Like, I, you know, people are like, oh, the AL Central is such a joke. Like, whatever. We haven't won three games in a row since the beginning of May. The Tigers have not gone on a three-game win streak since the beginning of May. I do not care who it is against. This could have been a four-game set against the Royals for all I care. I will gladly take... Three games against a team that is over 500 and much better than you, regardless of if it's hilariously awful that they're in first place in this division. Because it is. So vibes are high, baby. This is, uh, this seriously, these are, the first game of this series was awful. I mean, they got punched in the mouth. Vibes were low, right? Not great. And uh, they, they really rolled over. It did not look good. They probably were, you know, were an out away from losing nine to nothing. Uh, they, they were not good. No part of the game was good. We talked about it on here. The last three games, six to nothing, nine to five, three to nothing. Two shutouts in three games against the Twins and the offense, while it wasn't unbelievable on Thursday. Three runs, six runs, nine runs. Wow, intervals of of three there. (laughs) You'll gladly take two shutouts and an average of six runs a game over a three-game stretch. One of the best three-game stretches the Tigers have played all year. Two thumbs up, boys. Nicely done. Especially a heck of a response just after getting punched in the mouth like that to open this series. To go out there and, and just do anything. Really, nonetheless, win the next three is is very, very impressive. So good mindset, good execution, good game plans, high fives all around. Good stuff, boys. Um, Almost didn't say stuff there. That was a really close call. Okay, let's talk about the game itself. Let's talk about some of the players in this game. I think the story of this game is Reese Olsen. I don't think it's particularly close either. Reese Olsen's final line is six innings, two hits, no earned runs, three walks, and eight strikeouts. Eight. You absolutely love to see it. Uh, with those six shutout innings against, again, the Minnesota Twins, um, his ERA dropped a lot. Obviously, it's in the mid-fours now. But um, we've been talking a lot about Reese Olsen this season. And we've been talking a lot about how his fastball needs to translate to the major league level. And it just hasn't yet. 
and the slider has. That is a legitimate plus pitch. Maybe even a plus-plus pitch. Uh, Jerry, one of our favorite accounts. We've been shouting out Jerry a lot lately. Shout out to, lately, shout out to Jerry. At uh, OPS Inheimer on Twitter or X or whatever the heck it's called. Uh, put out there today, he has a 37.8% CSW percentage on his 328 sliders thrown on the season. That is a remarkably high percentage. Well over one of every three sliders this dude has thrown in his major league career so far have either been a called strike or a swinging miss strike. That is absolutely phenomenal. That is a legitimate pitch. He's only a rookie too, right? This dude's made what, like nine or 10 career starts? Like, I mean, this is, this is legitimate. And it, it, hopefully he can only improve upon it, improve his sequencing, command, etc. And I don't even know. Maybe that number gets even higher. But like once you start approaching the 40s, that's when you're talking about like legitimately one of the better sliders uh, out there. So very, very good to see. And in this game, he was no different. A 43% CSW percentage on 30 sliders thrown in this ball game. But the fastball is where we keep going back to. And I've said a lot of times on this show, the the ceiling that Reese Olsen has as a major league pitcher is going to almost exclusively, I don't want to be too dramatic, but like a large part of what his ceiling is going to be and the heights that he will reach is going to come down to how effective of a fastball can this dude have. And in this outing, it was one of the most effective fastball outings he has had so far in his major league career uh, through just about as many fastballs, four-seam fastballs, as sliders, the two most thrown pitches comfortably uh, on the evening and from a start-to-start basis. Uh, he would end with a 33% CSW percentage on his four-seam fastball, got four whiffs on it, got eight on the slider because that's the best pitch, obviously, but um, four whiffs, I mean, that's been the biggest thing right, is he can't miss bats with it. He missed four on the outing and two were in the same at bat. He went back to the well twice. It was, I forget who was batting. It was a lefty though, Kirloff maybe, but it was a, it was a, a fastball up and away that he had the exact same spot twice in a row. Oh, two count, two swinging missed strikes. Um, and he got several called strikes on it too, obviously through three innings. It was at about 44%, the CSW percentage on that fastball. And again, CSW called strikes plus whiffs percentage. So just awesome to see a third of his fastballs thrown were either called strikes or strikes that were swung on and missed by the batter. And that is absolutely beautiful. Now, there was a stretch there uh, in the middle three innings I would say he got off to a really good start and then he ended strong as well but there were two or three innings in the middle where he got hit pretty hard no damage done again a shutout will gladly take it um but he I mean some loud outs some some deep fly balls some hard line drives hit right at outfielders had a I don't like using the word luck in in major league baseball these dudes work incredibly hard to get to where they're at and to perform on the baseball field but uh certainly the the, the twins were not hitting them where they ain't, uh, as the old adage is. That was not happening. So 
um, some, you know, still not the most perfect outing ever, right? But uh, and got a little bit as far as efficiency goes in those innings where he was getting hit hard. Uh, almost all of his walks were in those middle couple of innings. Had two runners on in back-to-back innings, but tight-roped his way out of danger both times with no runs given up. And had some really big strikeouts. Eight Ks in six innings, man. Really good. And that's two of his starts in his major league career against the Twins. And both are really, really solid outings. So uh, maybe he just has the Twins number. Um, it'll be interesting to see his next start, what he looks like. But, uh, again, after this outing, this is a guy who's got an ERA in the mid fours, uh, Steve cook on Twitter, fantastic, uh, listener of the show. Great dude as well. Uh, put out there. He has 58 strikeouts on only 16 walks on the season. And we've talked about this before too. If you go and look at Reese Olson's baseball savant page, right with the sliders, um, he's, got a pretty darn good walk percentage, right? And not, not walking a whole lot of batters, definitely participating in the dominate the strike zone type of thing. Now it's one thing to not walk hitters. It's another thing to not walk hitters and not allow hard contact. And he has a, allowed quite a bit of hard contact this season. Something he's still working on, but where he's at right now, I'm not, I wasn't even convinced. I mean, some of y'all remember, like I wasn't even super optimistic about when he got called up. I was like, I don't know. He's got a 90 RA and AAA and his fastball isn't too good down there. But I, I mean, again, a testament to Feder, Nieves, and Lund, a testament to Reese Olsen and the work that he's put in. Uh, this has been, and we'll do like player grades and, and kind of like pass fail, success fail type of uh, outlooks when we get to the off season. But uh, unless he just completely implodes, the last two months of the season, I mean, I think if he ends around that mid or even high four ERA, I think that that's a pretty big win for the first uh, taste of Major League Baseball in Reese Olsen's career. And this was just another solid start. He's gotten rocked sometimes. It's not all solid starts. But this one was really good. And I think just how effective the fastball was should encourage a lot of people. Whether it ends up happening long term or not, we've seen glimpses and flashes now of, of it being at least possible went away from the sinker in this game kind of went to that more in his last outing he got rocked um but went back to the four seam instead and it was really he threw a couple of sinkers too and they were all really effective pitches as well so just was really hitting his spots great job Reese Olson. two thumbs up buddy okay let's get to the offensive side of the ball we'll do that right after i tell y'all about our friends over at sleeper do you think that who should we pick for today? Do you think that Riley Green, he hit a home run in today's, uh, in today's episode. Do you think that Riley Green could hit a home run against the Boston Red Sox this weekend? Well, we sure do. And on Sleeper, you can swing for the fences for up to 100 times your payout offer. All you have to do is choose two or more players that you like and go select more or less in their stat categories like home runs, strikeouts, hits, and more. Get your picks right, and you could win big. I've been using Sleeper for such a long time with all of my leagues, and now that they're in the daily fantasy game, uh, it's a very easy and natural transition for me. The app, they just updated it again a couple of weeks ago. It's always been awesome. They continue to improve it. It's super easy. It's super fun, and I highly recommend it if that's your thing. So use promo code LOCKDOWN, and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Currently operational in over 30 states. Check out Sleeper today all right everybody welcome back 
Segment two here, Locked On Tigers. Appreciate y'all for tuning in, making us your first listen. Every single day, we are free and available wherever you get your podcast. Uh, shout out to the everydayers that do tune in every day. We'll be back on Monday recapping the series against the Boston Red Sox this weekend. We'll be uh, previewing that one at the end of the show. Be sure to check out the Tigers home broadcast on the SiriusXM app as well. Just search Detroit Tigers. The next thing you know, you're listening to the Tigers home radio broadcast anytime, anywhere. Okay, let's get to the offensive side of the ball. So, uh, Riley Green. I mean, goodness gravy. That is one of the furthest balls I have ever seen hit at Comerica Park in the StatCast era, which is 2015 to present day. It's crazy, man. StatCast already almost 10 years old. That's so wild to me. Um, but in the StatCast era, 2015 to present day, I believe they said it was the fourth hardest hit, or not hardest hit, furthest hit, rather, home run in that period of time. A lot of Miguel Cabrera and J.D. Martinez's names in uh obviously understandably so in uh in that list but yeah i think they said it was the fourth hardest hit in the stat cast era and the hardest hit not hardest furthest geez and the furthest hit since jd martinez in 2017 so awesome to see and you know it's it's funny because somebody i wish i could remember who but somebody replied to my tweet and was like, well, so much for, you know, curveballs lowing in because that's what that was. It was a curveball lowing in that he just absolutely turned on. Now, he saw it almost similarly in back-to-back pitches, and that one was certainly not where Kenta Maeda wanted it. I can promise you that, right? Like, they, when they're trying to get him to swing and miss, it's much lower. It's closer to the ankles than it is the bottom of the strike zone. But that one hung up there, and Riley Green absolutely destroyed that baseball and so just if if his like cold spells are like a series I mean we're in for for a treat like this dude's gonna be so good and and we've I've said it a few times throughout the season I'll reiterate it now the thing with Riley Green is he's already so good right now and the next step in his development is getting that pull side power to be permanent pull side power permanent a lot of p's there a lot of alliteration um and when that's when that is no longer a i don't want to even use the word inconsistent but when that when that is more consistent and when that is more of a regular occurrence he he's going to explode to even a, a new height that we haven't even seen yet and I don't know if that's going to happen in the last two months of the season or if that's a next year thing after he gets healthy and kind of takes some time off and, and has some fresh legs under him. I'm not sure, but it is coming. And it's he's going to put the entire league on notice, and it's going to be absolutely awesome. So uh, just uh, <laughs> no matter what your opinion is of this season, no matter what your opinion is of the Detroit Tigers organization right now, at least we have Riley Green, man. Because he's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Had a uh, had a double down the line the opposite way in this game as well. Um, so, Javi Baez is, is the next player. We talked about the really good. We'll talk about the bad. Bunted for a hit in this ball game. Good on him. He's going to go viral. He already has. Uh, I'm recording this a couple of hours after the game. And it's, it's going to keep... That video is going to keep making the rounds. There was a, a, a video... <laughs> That went around of um, I'm for blanking on the the Twins catcher's name on the top of my head. Former Boston Red Sox player, whatever. Um, setting up way outside, like in a different zip code, right? 
and threw a slider low and away. The ball was never a strike. It had no plans of ever being a strike. It was unbelievably far outside, and Javi still took a big old hack at it for strike three. So I've said this before, and I'll say it again. Uh, the, The approach is not going anywhere. It's never going to go anywhere. Okay? And the approach has also been here forever here it's been with Javi forever this is a dude that was swinging at pitches 10 feet out of the strike zone back when he was getting like top three MVP finishes and when he was with the Mets there was that viral video of him swinging at a ball that bounced like 10 feet before home plate and like his numbers with the Mets were fantastic so you can like clown on him. I'm not trying to convince you the approach is good. That's not what I'm trying to say. Okay. So before I, I get a comment like that, I want to make it crystal clear. I'm not here trying to tell you that his approach has ever been good because it never has been. Okay. And, and it's still not the, the, what I want you to pay attention to is go back and look at that entire at bat though, because back-to-back pitches before that slider that was in, you know, Windsor was thrown. Two 92-mile-an-hour fastballs basically right down the middle. One was a little bit up, one was a little bit in, but heart of the plate. 92-mile-an-hour fastballs, very hittable pitches. He fouled both of them off and barely made contact. And then he swung at, at, at that pitch, obviously. And that's going to be the one that goes viral. And everybody loves talking about the approach. The, the approach is one thing. He is hitting under 200 against fastballs. He has one home run on the season against fastballs. Javi's always swung at pitches way out of the strike zone. The difference is, back when he was an MVP candidate, he would slug 700, 750 against four-seam fastballs and slug 600-plus on the season as a whole. He would hit mistakes. He would crush mistakes. He would destroy fastballs. And he's not doing that this year. So the approach isn't going anywhere. And if you want to keep clowning on him for it, I'm not telling you not to. It's embarrassing and it's ridiculous and it's, it's absurd. That's all very true. But the good version of Javi always did that. Pay attention to what the difference is between this version of Javi and MVP Javi. Because the approach is not the difference. It's his success against hitting fastballs that's the huge difference. And he just cannot do it anymore for some reason. I think it's bat speed. Most people think it's bat speed. Um, His mechanics have never really been great either. Uh, But... If you can't hit the mistakes they give you, it's not going to be very good. And it hasn't been this year, obviously. He's one of the worst qualified hitters in baseball. He might be the worst still. It's either uh, Tim Anderson still. There's a few people that were in the running there. He's certainly down there. Okay, so I just wanted to point that out. Um, yes, that video is ridiculous and kind of funny, honestly. Um, but look at the two pitches before. Because that's the much bigger issue here to be honest with you, than uh, than the slider low and away that Javi has chased for the last decade. Um, Okay, let's talk about the rest of the offense. Then we'll talk about the bullpen. Talk about Max Clark a little bit. Then we'll preview the Boston Red Sox. We'll do that right after I tell you all about our friends over at Margs. 
Margs is the best. And I have been looking for kind of the replacement, I guess is the word, to the typical white claws and high noons of the world. And I'm glad that I stumbled across Margs. They're refreshing. They're ready to drink. They're sparkling margaritas. And they've officially become my go-to cocktail. They're crafted with real Blanco tequila. They're clean, crisp, and they genuinely taste so good. There's five unique flavors. There's something for everyone to enjoy. I love these the most when I'm kicking back after work, watching a game on a weekend, hanging out with friends. This summer, I've been packing my cooler with them everywhere I've gone, and I will continue to do so for the rest of the summer, as well as as we transition into tailgate season this fall. Right, I think it's going to be the perfect perfect drink for that too. A lot of good college football teams in this state. A fun pro team, maybe? Question mark. Well, we'll see. But uh, make sure that you are drinking Margs this tailgate season as well. Uh, go to sipmargs.com to find a retailer near you. S I P M A R G S dot com. You must be twenty one and over to enjoy. Cheers, and please drink responsibly. All right, everybody, welcome back here. Segment three, third and final segment of Locked on Tigers. I appreciate y'all for tuning in. Um, be sure to check out the Tigers home broadcast on the SiriusXM app. I know I say it all the time, but it's a great feature to search Detroit Tigers. The next thing you know, you are listening to the Tigers home broadcast anywhere you are from your phone. Um, okay, so we've talked about Riley Green and Javi, kind of both ends of the spectrum there in terms of like really good and really bad so far this season at the plate. Let's talk about the rest of the offense. Um, there's not a whole lot. Zach McKinstry with a hit in this ball game. Uh, good for him. Nice to see. He's been a little bit hotter lately. Um, he, just a really brutal two-month stretch there. And now the last three or four games, he's been hitting a little bit better. So good on him. Hopefully he's able to, to, I don't know, if he can get hot the last two months, I think there's a little bit more of a conversation about like, hey, you know, utility man next year kind of thing. Like, I don't think anyone's clamoring for him to be an everyday starter again next season based on how the last two or three months have gone. But um, I mean, if he can just play his way back into like a conversation on being on the 40 man, I think that that would be uh, a win. So let's see what he does the last two months here. I, he still swings at every single low breaking ball ever, especially when there's two strikes in the count. Uh, and he has not seen one of those lately. So I think that it's just he's getting good pitches to hit and taking advantage of it. And the issues are still there, but only time will tell. We'll see. Um, who else? Matt Verling with a hit. Good on him. Spencer Torkelson, 0 for 3 with a walk. Follows up two home runs with uh, with an 0 for. The walk was a good A-B. The rest of them were not. He fouled off a few fastballs right down the middle. Uh, still, we're just waiting on consistency. I don't have really too much else to say as far as the offense goes. It wasn't, I mean, three runs. It wasn't some miraculously incredible offensive performance. Riley Green kind of opened the, the doors a little bit, and then they got a clutch hit with the bases loaded, and that was the extent of the offense. But um, we'll take it. I'm not going to complain after a win. So, uh, man, shot to Riley Green. He's so good. He really, he's so good. It's so fun watching him hit, man. What a pro. Um, Bo Brisky in this ball game. Uh, Chase and Shreve pitched as well. One inning of shutout ball. Good on him. Not sure why he's on the team. Uh, Bo Brisky, two innings of perfect baseball. No strikeouts, but uh, perfect ball nonetheless. Um, he has been, I've been saying um a lot this episode, my fault. That's, that's not good. Bo Brisky has been a great storyline this season as someone who back in February, we were talking about, oh, you know, the starting pitching depth on this team is better than maybe you realize. And very quickly 
that statement got proven wrong, right? Garrett Hill, not a major league starter. Bo Brisky got hurt very early on. Uh, Alex Fiedo has been, uh, you know, a, has been a starter that has given you some flashes of hope, but certainly isn't a guy you want plugged in there once every five days. Um, and then who was the last one? Bo Brisky, Alex Fiedo, Garrett Hill. It was like a trio of four that we always talked about. I'm blanking. Anyway, we we talked and, and that thinned up very, very quickly. And so uh, Bo Brisky this season coming out of the pen has been phenomenal. He has a 208 ERA, not a huge sample size, but it's big enough now where I think we can start looking at those kind of numbers and, and declaring whether they're legitimate or not. I think that he's been really good. The fastball velocity has gone way up since moving to the bullpen. That's a huge plus. That's a, that's, I mean, like, Pretty bit. I mean, he's touching like 97. The dude never came close to 97 when he was a starter. So that's been great to see. Got his second save of his major league career in this game. Two inning save at that. And I think the biggest thing for Bo Brisky is for me in his development is the rest of the season. I would be shocked if he got starting time. I think he's going to be coming out of the pen, and I'm totally fine with that. This offseason, if he shows up to spring training next February, next March with a pitch that moves horizontally. I I think they might give him another spot starting opportunity. Not that they're going to pencil him in and be like, Oh, we don't even need to sign a starter. He'll just be the fifth starter. Once every five days, we're giving Bo Brisky the ball. I don't think there's going to be that much confidence instilled, but this dude has a legitimate fastball now. And the changeup has always been a plus pitch really at every level he's been at and every situation he's been at, the changeup has always been legit. So I think if he can just prove to, he's got kind of a slider right now. It's not very effective though. If he can prove that he has a legitimate pitch that moves this way (laughs) instead of this way, right? I think that we could be talking about a, a guy that gets more looks as a starter again next season for the remainder of this season though, just keep putting him in the bullpen if he can establish himself as a legitimate relief pitcher at the major league level, that's a huge win. This is a guy that was not even close to anybody's top prospect rankings. No one's two years ago. Then in 2021, uh, won Tigers minor league pitcher of the year had a huge breakout season. 2022 was a fine fill in starter due to a lot of injuries that happened. And, uh, and now this season has was hurt obviously for the first half and has given you some pretty solid innings out of the bullpen. Also, walking nobody has one of the lowest walk rates you'll see. So, good on him. Dominate the strike zone, low ERA. Can't ask for too much more than that out of Bo Brisky this year. Just want to give him his flowers that he has deserved. Uh, Max Clark, that's it for this ballgame. Good win. Good job, boys. Three of four from the Twins. You love to see it. So, Max Clark has been absolutely dominating down in rookie ball and let me get his uh his numbers pulled up here so he hit a walk-off home run a few days ago and his first professional homer was a walk-off bomb and then today thursday yesterday as you're listening to this he had another home run and he's already had several doubles his first hit was a triple like this dude has just been an absolute electric factory in four games He has six hits, three doubles, a triple, two homers, and eight RBIs. Not bad. 
Okay, now there's not any video down in rookie ball, but a lot of people have been talking about how he's looked good in the field in the few times he's played out there as well. They're really taking it easy with him. This is a, a huge uptick in workload from high school ball to being an everyday professional. Um, so he's not playing every single day. He's taking some days off. They've pulled him mid-game. Uh, they, they've switched him defensively at times. But at the end of the day, he is hitting the cover off the baseball right now. And it would not shock me if for maybe the last month of Lakeland's season, if this dude got called up to low A and was getting legitimate playing time in Lakeland already by the end of the season, which would be a huge win. Now, does four good games mean that we're like anointing this dude, the savior of the franchise or anything? No, I'm not trying to, to over convince you of this either. But, I mean, objectively, this is a really fun start to this kid's career. And uh, I'm I'm hoping that we do see him in Lakeland because then we'll actually be able to see him in Lakeland with, like, a video camera that is <laughs> at ball games. So I'm hoping for that selfishly for that. But, I mean, if he's hitting like this, it, he's going to kind of force the hand of everybody to be like, what what's the point of him even hitting down here at this point? So just want to give him a shout-out. Great start to the Tigers' first-round pick uh, to his Major League career. Some other uh, players that are doing well, too, uh, down there in this draft class, I should say, that are doing decently well. We'll kind of have a prospect update as we get closer to the end of the season in a few weeks. We'll bring on some people that uh, are scouts and cover the minor leagues for the Tigers as well. Um, Okay, that's it. Red Sox preview. The pitching matchups are fascinating this weekend for both teams. I'm very, very intrigued with every single pitching matchup. On Friday, you have Tarek Skubal against Chris Sale. Chris Sale had a shaky year. The Tigers hit some homers off him back in April. Uh, He's got injury problems that he's had really the last several years, but this year is no different. Then you have Tarek Skubal, obviously coming off of a major injury himself, and we're looking to see how he can do against a really solid Red Sox lineup. Not the greatest lineup in the world, but it's going to be at Fenway, and uh, they still have Rafi Devers. So, like, there's there's always a potential for an offensive explosion. This is also, it's important to know, this is these are huge, huge, huge baseball games for the Boston Red Sox. They're obviously out of their division race, but in terms of the AL wild card, the Boston Red Sox are four and a half games out of the last wild card spot, and they're chasing the Toronto Blue Jays, who are obviously in their division. These games are very, very important to the Boston Red Sox. So uh, let's let's play some spoilers, you know? Why not? So Scooble and Sale on Friday. Then on Saturday, you have Matt Manning going for the Tigers. Always a noteworthy performance at this point. Against Brian Bayo for the Red Sox. This dude is legitimately one of, if not my favorite non-Tigers pitching prospect in all of baseball. And he's not really a prospect anymore. He started 20 games for the Red Sox this season. But he has a 3-6 ERA in 19 starts for the Red Sox this year. Uh, I mean, strikeout stuff, a really, really lively fastball. This dude is a blast to watch. Now, I hope that he struggles on Saturday, right? I hope that we're able to hit him. Uh, But just very much a tale of two different players, a Young, up-and-coming, you know, really, really solid, pretty highly touted, at least within the it's a, the own organization of the Red Sox, 
in Bayo against Manning, who has been disappointing not only this year, but really over the stretch of uh, his, his major league career so far has not really lived up to the hype that was once put on him. So interesting kind of two sides of the same coin there. And then on Sunday, you have Cutter Crawford, who diced the Detroit Tigers back in April uh, against Eduardo Rodriguez in his first start back in Fenway Park since leaving the Boston Red Sox. So three fascinating pitching matchups for both teams this weekend and a very, very important uh, series for the Boston Red Sox. Let's go keep winning. Three straight. First time we've won three straight since the beginning of May. Let's keep the ball rolling, baby. Why not? Why not? Thanks for making Lockdown Tigers your first listen every day, free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. Um, shout out to the everydayers that do tune in every day. We'll be back on Monday recapping this series against the Red Sox. Appreciate all of you. Peace and love. Going to therapy's dope. And I'll catch you all then, baby. Go Tigers.